Extra Points is presented for the people by Caesars Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it. It must be 21 years or older. Welcome, Extra Points listeners, and congratulations on making it through yet another week. Good news, the weekend awaits with its enchanting promises of endless sports and free time that ends up with you screaming silently at some jerk in the Costco parking lot instead. Or maybe I'm just projecting. Either way, we know how hard you work, and while we hope listening to all our shows makes that time go a little faster, we don't want that to feel like work in and of itself. So we've had our producers pick out their favorite bits and put them together in a half-hour supercut for you to sample. I know, I can't believe we have producers either. If you like something, check out the full episode the next week wherever you get your podcasts. In the meantime, thanks for supporting the network. And let me just say from the bottom of my heart as the co-founder that I sincerely hope your favorite team still loses to mine. Enjoy the shows. For our first clip here, after a lengthy anti-ref rant by Kevin Hench, myself, Dave Damashek, and the aforementioned Hench get into why the NFL should go forward with their proposed rule change for NFL kickoffs. The NFL came out and said... While kickoffs uh, have been, you know, preventing the new rule, there's been a lot less, significantly less concussions, which is ultimately the whole goal of the changing of the rules. Like I grew up watching Jacked Up on Monday Night Football Countdown, and and the you would clap over the best hits of the week, and the NFL clearly shied away from that because number one, they want to see less concussions, and number two, they understand the quarterbacks are the bread and butter, so anything roughing wise, those 15 yards are going to come out because they want to keep the big money makers playing. No one wants to watch a game like the, you know, the upcoming Raiders-Bears game when you have two backup quarterbacks, especially a quarterback from a Division II school. But this week, they came out and said that they, you know, the kickoff rule has been great, a lot less concussions, but like an overwhelming number, uh, I think it was like 88%, if not higher um, kickoffs are all touchbacks and they want to change that because they want to actually have kick returns again. So I find it just so funny that we're seeing terrible refereeing uh, in the name of player safety with, you know, the, the helmet to helmet collisions and they made a rule change that changed special teams like forever. And now they're like, wait a second, we should probably bring back that rule because people actually miss, miss collisions and they miss kickoff returns. So it's like the NFL has does they, the, the worst part about this, the NFL never like actually says we screw up. And this is maybe the first time they've said, maybe we're wrong with that rule. Because again, the off season, they go, which repair penalties, which are not penalties. And they always come out saying like out of the hundreds and hundreds of calls, they find like three, they might've gotten wrong when it's like, we know the number is way higher than that. So it's just interesting to see the NFL finally going, okay, maybe this one rule and kickoffs is wrong. So maybe we're in the future. We will see more collisions again. Who knows? Well, the one I got to see come back is regarding kickoffs is the onside kick. That's, that's one of the most electric moments in, in any football game is when a team does that. Cause you, you used to have a chance of recovering. Now there's zero chance based basically doing it. Sorry, Hinch, I cut uh, you off. That is such a great point, Spaghetti. And when you what they're saying, this is what they're saying. They're going, they basically have announced, hey man, we don't want guys to get concussions. And now with with now with that with that rule being reevaluated, what they're saying is we don't want quarterbacks to get concussions special teamers no problem like it's not like we care about the human beings who play our sport we can we we like the guys in the state farm commercials 
who play our sport. We could give a crap about these anonymous special teamers who are getting most of the concussions hmm. because it's a full speed collision. Two cars going in this, you know, opposite directions, hitting each other. Of course, you're going to have a preponderance of concussions on that play. And they're like, man, how do we get those concussions back? It's like I would trade some of those concussions for being able to hit the quarterback. I well, like the only thing I'll like say, the only I like it when there are backup quarterbacks because it means football was still being played somewhere in America. I get that. I get that. But the the devil's damashek to this conversation, which I support ninety nine point nine percent of, is the one thing I will say in the last ten years, and it's the same point I always make about hockey goonery and uh, Jacob Truba and Tom Wilson, like. They are bigger than their forefathers. And so those collisions are more severe. And it is weird that every time a QB gets hit in this day and age, they get hurt. It, that didn't used to be true, you know? I mean, Staubach would go out with concussions <laughs> periodically, and so would Bradshaw, and that wasn't good. But right every time a QB gets touched, it really is like, oh, man, he's <laughs> he's got to sit down for a while. I mean, like Deshaun Watson's just hurt even ambiguously we don't know what to make about that so i do get if you're a framer of the game with network and all of that and the billions of dollars like you don't need the biggest stars sitting on the sideline um but I, and i do kind of get like they are they do kind of have a point these guys get hurt a lot these days it's right around that mid-season mark in college football who are your eyes and predictions dave damashek saratiana and martin weiss make their picks during extra points how do you see it right now in the Heisman standings? The odds heavily favoring Michael Penix after the win against um, Oregon and Caleb Williams losing and throwing three picks. All of a sudden, Penix a prohibitive favorite at minus one forty. Second best is Dylan Gabriel at eight to one at Oklahoma. I don't think he's going to end up getting it based on the profile overall of the Big Twelve. Give me your one, two, three, Martin Weiss. I'm just going to give a homer pick. I want it to be Blake Corum because here's the deal. I want to, I want to stop this. If you can rent a car, you can't win the Heisman. Michael <laughs> Penix has been playing college football for like six years. Bo Nix has been playing college football since 2019. No, I was, no. At no point through Michael Penix's time in Indiana did we think he was the Heisman. None. Right? I didn't, Mr. Indiana. I did. When I was cheering for Michael Penix on that extendo two-point conversion to knock off the Knicks, I thought he deserved the Heisman that. right there. I remember that. That was a that was a great moment, right? It was that was to go like five and zero or six and one or something right. like that. We almost no. beat the Buckeyes in Columbus too. And, and, and I know, Sarah, you're well familiar with Bo Nix's resume through the SEC. No, mm-hmm. at no point mm-hmm. was he in the Heisman conversation. Not even what Michigan is famous for, the September Heisman, right? Denard Robinson mm-hmm. went almost every year I was in college. The September Heisman. As soon as October 1st happens, everything falls apart. But no, I'm done with this. Look, get these guys out of college. Either go pro or go pro in something other than sports, all right? But you know, you, you don't win. Take, it, take the award away. From Caleb Williams won't win it twice, but a guy like Caleb Williams, who actually should be in college right now, if you should be working a job by your second or third year, you shouldn't be able to win the Heisman. There you go. Welcome to my TED talk. Mm-hmm. That was wild, but you didn't even give me a two and a three. You just said that you're taking your guy. Well, you're taking Corum, but by the way, in 
you know, in reality, you know that that can't happen because J.J. McCarthy has shorter odds than Corum does at this point. And the likely result is, is that they take votes from each other and neither gets it. Right. So but my mm-hmm. two, honestly, right now would be Brock Bowers. OK, so Brock- my this is my Heisman wish list and not my actual Heisman. You know, it's <laughs> not what's actually going to happen. I mean, I guess we can dispense with the midway point because clearly, as the odds indicate, you would be hard pressed to make a case for anybody than Michael Penix right now. So, okay, so he's the clear cut favorite. Then pick up on that, Tiana. How say you? How do you think it looks? Who are the three guys sitting there in uh, what's the place called again where they give out the Heisman? The Athletic Club uh, sitting there with Chris Fowler (laughs) having that self serious uh, talk, talk about. It's not a clubhouse. It's a cathedral. It's a sanctuary. That The tone of voice they use to hand out a football trophy is the best. Like, we're joined now by the 20. Like, all right. This is a this a happy time, right? Why are we treating this uh, as though it's a funereal uh, situation? Anyway, go ahead, Tiana. Uh, well, a week ago, I would have put money on Brock Bowers. But now that he's going to be out for four weeks, I think it's probably not looking good. Right. To me, obviously, Penix is the favorite i put money on quinn ewers after they beat alabama i still think he has an outside chance but after they lost to oklahoma i think that chance has kind of dwindled i do think now that tez walker is back that drake may is looking really good and i think it's like him having a, a good receiver to throw to shows just how good he is at getting the ball to the right guy and so you know, I don't know if it's a Tez Walker effect, but I think that that can really up his odds. So in my pin, my win play show would be Penix, Drake May, and then Sleeper. Because even though I pick, oh, okay, I'll say Penix, Drake May, Quinn Ewers. And then for a Sleeper off the board, I would take Haynes King, the quarterback from Georgia Tech. Mm. I'm telling you, there's something about this guy that is just different. It's just different. Nobody ever talks about Georgia Tech, but this guy's slinging it all over. He's getting like, I mean, it's just insane watching him play. Yeah, really I'm trying good to scare all these 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 fragile Atlanta-based <laughs> sports fans. Circle the rambling wreck of Georgia Tech. That's going to be our no, our next sorrow. Um, Georgia fans. All right, I think that Penix at this point is far enough along that he almost certainly gets to New York. Here's the crazy thing is how, what are the odds that you would have gotten in August that Caleb Williams yeah. doesn't make it to New York city? Like we're not, mm-hmm. that, that doesn't win it. Doesn't, isn't in the top three, how, how, uh, how big a payoff that would have been that he's not in that group. He still may get in there. I think the Eddie Spaghetti has been making that point this week that the weekly overreaction, I, Caleb Williams is in the eye of that storm right now. And he, he has a chance to transcend that, but same problem for Michael Penix. Why I don't think he gets it is the aforementioned great defenses of the Pac-12. Again, not counting the Trojans in that, but you're going to take some losses along the way. So I think it kind of means that none of those guys are going to get the Heisman. I think um, JT Daniels gets there because, I, I mean, Jaden Daniels gets there because uh, J- JT Daniels is not yeah. going to get there. Jaden Daniels, <laughs> rather, because of what I said about the relatively breezy path that he has the rest of the way here. And I'm going to throw Drake may in there too. And he has the juiciest odds at 11 to one right now. And I think he benefits from a lower standard. You said about Quinn, you or Sarah that you bet on him before they lost, but you know, as long as they run the table, 
he's okay. I don't think UNC has to, I think UNC can lose two more games the rest of the way. As long as he puts up big numbers, it's like the Doug Flutie thing. If he, nobody thought Boston, I mean, it's a, you know, what is that 40 years ago? So a good solid uh, (laughs) prompt to make, but anyway, you know, yeah, you can sneak through with a couple of losses. If your team is understood to not be in advance of the season or during the season, like, boy, this team might win the whole thing. Nobody says that about the Tar Heels to this day, but everybody celebrates the QB. And to your point with that target now back in the fold, the the sky it raises even further for him to put up big numbers. Drake may 11 to one. That's mine. And he'll watch a uh, hill and uh, Penix and um, Jaden Daniels watch on Dylan Gabriel just barely misses out. I predicted him a couple weeks ago to rise. Oh, interesting. Let's take a quick break here. You know, when the conversation turns stampers, I always go with my number one as Caesars. Let's talk about them a little bit, shall we? Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose, every bet earns rewards credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using this code. Listen up. Omaha full. The word Omaha and the word full. And then you place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. If you keep those winnings, but if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and over only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. New users and first $10 plus wager only. Must register with eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager. Returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet, $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles. See caesars.com slash promos for full terms. Void where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start gambling problem. Arizona call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino. Call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, call 1-800-327-5050 or visit GamblingHelplineMA.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or West Virginia, 1-800-GAMBLER.net, New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really... Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. 
the U.S. men's national soccer team had an interesting international break. Toby and Brett break it down during Covering Glory. So what are your current thoughts on the U.S. men's national team as we head into a really important summer for them in 2024? I mean, I just am, am happy to see basically the the core i mean the, the thing that gets us excited like that we got to see pretty much all of it together against ghana um i mean now with balogun in the fold like that oh uh, my this God. is balogun balogun yeah. balogun when yes. was the last time you saw a u.s striker take the turn like that bury at u90 and like a just amazingly athletic classic uh, number nine goal rather than just being like Josie Altador lowering a shoulder to somebody and hoping <laughs> to bundle it over the line or Brian McBride, you know, just trying to be a little bit bigger and redirecting onto the frame. That was an amazing and very un us goal that he scored. Yeah. We've come a long days from the days of hoping like Edson Buttle was going to fill the striker void for us. So, um, I mean, Balogun is, I mean, he plays at a very high level for one of the big five leaves in the world. Like this is a legit, I mean, I'm not going to call him world-class. He might have a chance to get there. He's still a young guy, but, um, I mean, he's a legit striker that starts for some of the best, for, for some of the best teams in the world the last couple of years. So this is, I mean, it's just exciting. Like, I mean, this is, this is the thing that I think you and I and all U.S. men's national team fans have been talking about for the last 10 years was like kind of getting to this moment. We have a bunch of young superstars. The, the system has produced these guys. They're all entering sort of that prime soccer age. And we got to see them all on the pitch at the same time. And the best part was it was against Ghana, who's tortured us in World Cups for years. So, like, you know, this is I mean, it's just it's great. Like, I, I mean, there's a lot of stuff you and I, you and I both have been through it this week. You more than me, but like the fact that we've got to enjoy that aspect of it, I, I'm I'm excited. I'm looking forward to see what's ahead. I mean, it's it's just it was just cool to see. I can't I can't I know I'm repeating. It's cool to see, but like that's the only thing that can come to my head is we finally got what we were waiting for. Yeah, I mean, between um, Wayo Balogun, Pooley, Geo. And then uh, Musa, and even like Des was doing a great job of carrying yeah. the ball forward. Um, so, I, like, I was so excited about what I saw, and I cannot wait till next summer. I mean, we might have to have summer editions of Covered in Glory as they get to host the Copa and compete against South America's best as we lead into the 2026 World Cup. And like, it's not only just like they look good in an international break, the uh, quietly, the U.S. men's national team has been extraordinarily well represented across Europe in the club seasons this far. Like, Pooley's back in Milan, he looks great. Uh, Way has been one of Juve's like more dangerous players. McKinney has joined him there and also looks like he's found his correct level, you know, top of a, at a European giant, maybe not like a Premier League build, but still definitely belongs. Uh, and as you said, Balogun is doing excellent in Monaco. Like, what can you tell the folks about who might not be following the men's national team all over Europe about their club performances this year? I mean, guys are playing at high levels. This is, it's surreal to basically think about how many guys, I mean, we have, we have players playing for the two best the clubs in Italy right now, um, at least by their underlying numbers um, in terms of McKinney and way kind of alternating at right at like right wing back sort of, it's, that's actually a whole other interesting thing to talk about. Um, you know, Pulisic and uh, Musa are at AC Milan. Like I just keep thinking back like five years ago, maybe, maybe not five, but like definitely six, seven years ago, we would be going ballistic if one of these yeah. guys were just like 
coming off the bench every once in a while for a team that was in the top four in Italy. Now we're now they're starting for him, all alternating starting in some cases, but like we're we're like spoiled to this point. It's like, oh yeah, you know, we got a bunch of guys in the champion leagues, we got in Syria, ah, this guy's lighting up Monaco, you know, Joe Scally's over here in the Bundesliga. Like, you know, this is it's just cool. I mean, it's just exciting to kind of it's exciting that this has become the norm. I think that's yes. the way that I'd look at it. It's like, this is, we are now just at a point where it's like, yeah, this is expected that the good American players are going to go play for bigger clubs in the world overseas. It used to be the biggest deal in the world. Like, I mean, remember like in 2009 when Landon Donovan used to go on loan to like Everton, Everton. Yeah. you know? And that was, I mean, that was like huge. I went nuts. I, I couldn't, I mean, as an Everton supporter, I watched every match. I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. I thought it was the, the greatest thing that Tim Howard hung on for as long as he did at Everton. Like now it's just like, oh yeah, we got another guy over in the Premier League. Cool. Uh, whatever. Tyler yeah. Adams is playing for Bournemouth. Oh, big whoop. But Bournemouth kind of sucks. Like I, we're, and, I like and it. We just, went, we just went through all those guys and we didn't even bring up Gio. Gio comes oh, back. Yeah. He's wearing the world's worst disguise. I have no idea what, like, is that really what the thing is? Like, hey, maybe everybody will forget about it if I go blonde. It hasn't worked for anybody else, and maybe it will for him. <laughs> maybe Greg won't recognize him anymore. But he comes back in. He gets a brace against Ghana. And at least for one night, him and Greg played nice. So I think that's still the lingering, like, you know, kind of bad smell in the room is that relationship between Greg and Gio and will it be able to hold up? Because I still think, I mean, I don't, I don't know. After that Balogun goal, I might change my mind. But I still think Gio is probably our most talented player. I think he's our most talented technical player for sure. Um, I mean, like with the ball at his feet. I mean, obviously Pulisic had you know this crazy run like Golazo against Germany, but you know on a consistent basis with the ball at his feet, it's Gio because Pulisic's big thing. I mean, the thing that that obviously I think Milan even brought him from Chelsea is like. He is an elite, like, mover into space. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, so I think that's the, the exciting thing about Reina is we've never really had, like, a technical superstar, if that makes sense, right? Like, yeah. we've never had a guy that plays these crazy creative balls or, you know, just operates like a, you know, world-class 10 in tight spaces like we've never had that player we've always had guys that are pretty good at, at you know getting in the box we've definitely had like athletic guys that can get up and down and, and do some interesting things there but like we've never had that player and I think that's the exciting part about Gio is like that's what he represents is that that next level of American soccer where you're getting these world-class technical players that like breakdown set packed in defenses that's something that, that we've never seen in u.s soccer before yeah well something we have seen in u.s soccer before is greg burholter on the sideline uh how did you feel seeing him back taking the pitch on uh against germany this is such a cop-out but like i don't really think like international managers really matter <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure Scaloni from Argentina is like not at all a good manager and they won the world cup. Like I really, it's about like the talent pool. I mean, everybody after the Netherlands match, you know, there's always the kind of armchair managing that goes on. We should have done this. We should have done that. And I was a big, like, yeah, why isn't Aronson playing? And then he got in and like daily blend stonewalled them in a one-on-one. Um, and so it's kind of one of those things where it's like, the way the U.S. becomes good isn't necessarily like Greg Berhalter 
or some top flight manager comes in, it's like Brandon Arison goes from being like their ninth best player to like their 17th best player. Like that's the improvement that comes with national teams. And I think it's been proven. We we've, we've just seen a bunch of guys. I mean, Luis Enrique is a fantastic coach. He's at, you know, manager. He's at PSG. Now he had the Spanish national team and he really didn't do that much. Right. And this is like one of the best managers in the world. So I really think it's a talent pool that matters. So as long as Greg can like, be professional about his relationship with players and not like just bench guys because of personal beefs that should be playing. I don't really have an opinion. Just stick a sock puppet on somebody and they can be a manager. It doesn't really matter to me. Usually waiver wired is a fantasy football show with myself and Jen Piacenti, but she had to weigh in on the hot topic of should the MLB playoff format be changed? Give it a listen. I think I'm also contractually obligated to ask you this question because I think every other person on this podcast network has weighed in on this, but okay. the, the, the the playoff format in major league baseball, if right. I named, if I named you commissioner right now, would you keep it the format the way it is or would you reverse it to just all seven game series? All seven game series. That's what uh, a lot of people. That's what no. Toby and Dave and no Sarah all way. For. No really? way. Okay. Come on. No. Okay. Um. You mean? Do you mean go all seven game series? When was the last time that I, happened? I'm telling you. I'm just. I'm just saying. They. No. If you want to ask me, do you them. think we should go down to one wild card playoff game? Should we eliminate the second wild card team? All those are valid questions. Okay. Asking me if I want to go to all seven game series. That's just a weird. Okay. question and no why would you do that they felt that it's just you, you you have a team that it, it should all be a full series because some team just you know you the the examples were like thinking it back to like you know the the red Sox and and yankees and you know the red Sox are down three uh three nothing and they come back and win that it's like you're cutting yeah, that was those. fun i actually loved that series you're good that yeah, was awesome that's true yeah it was great that was yeah. so, so great for me but they're saying you're just you're cutting short the ability for teams to make a comeback and like these hotter teams that had time off now have to wait even longer it's well, just and like, so that under that argument i understand but that is a question about are we are we going to allow these buys because we allowed in the second wild card team and then we have a longer thing because we have a three game mm-hmm. wild card playoff instead of a one game wild card playoff mm-hmm. so that that i understand i understand that argument but going back to seven games forever i mean it's seven games for the for the championship series and it's seven games for the world series i think that's enough you want seven games for the alds i don't i don't think so i don't think that's necessary or what's going to fix it. I think the problem is with, is it good in a game like baseball is an advantage to give someone a buy in football. It's clearly an advantage. Your body's so beat up. You're so tired, like Mm -hmm. give them a rest and how they plan the bye weeks. But for baseball, it's a game of momentum and they play every day. They play 162 games in the regular season. So giving them more than like a day off here and there can mess up their rhythm. And so giving the teams that perform so well a buy, that seems almost like you're giving them a disadvantage. And that's what happened apparently, supposedly with the Braves and the Dodgers. And, you know, so maybe that happens. But then you have the Astros who use that time to get healthy and it was an advantage for them and it, it did give them a boost until now potentially so anyway um i won't be grumpy anymore you're allowed you're you're a fan that's what we that's the best thing about this network is we're all true fans and uh again sorry for the diversion uh fantasy football is i'm like uh, we, seven game series that no that's the, not the problem that's the, the problem is 
The problem is trying to get too many teams into the playoffs, assuming that that means people will be more interested and watch the playoffs when all that happens is you end up with minor market teams in the playoffs that nobody wants to watch because I love you very much, Houston Texans, but nobody wants to watch Rangers versus Houston uh, Astros except for people that live, except for, did you hear I went Texan right there? Except for, (laughs) except for y'all that live in the Lone Star State. That's it. You guys are the only ones that want to see it. And let's stop down for a quick break here. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. After that ugly Bengals-Seahawks game, Martin Weiss and Mark Arnold's weigh in if they're believers in the Bengals again and why Martin has beef with DK Metcalf. Talk about an ugly, ugly game, by the way. I, I, I expected a lot more points in, this, in that game. Uh, the game flow did not go how I expected it at all. But this has kind of been the Bengals' way uh, throughout this point in the season. I mean, minus the a couple deep balls they had in Arizona, this offense still looks very stagnant. Uh, it looks like Joe Burrow, he looks healthier, but it looks like he's still hesitant on holding the ball and letting deep routes develop. He doesn't want to get hit. And and that that's a problem because it's definitely hindering their offense. I mean, shout out to their defensive front. I mean, it's like every time they needed to play and get a sack, they got one on Geno at the perfect times because Seattle had so many chances to, to win this game. Uh, and shout out to um, Cam Taylor Britt, too, man. He's one of those up and coming corners, good I think, player. really taking the next step. He played really good on DK Metcalf. That one route DK did to stop on it when he got the pick. I don't know what that was about there. Um, I know what it's about. DK Metcalf it gotta grow up, dog. Like, seriously. With the whole pacifier mouthpiece, at this point, you've been in the league too long, right? You're too like you've had like you've been in the league too long. You he you, I, I did you I tweeted it out, but the one that Cam he throws down on a defensive back, that's fifth. That's a personal foul. He gets the personal foul. 15 yards after the play, every game it seems, right? And then if you're going to do all that crying, at least be A.J. Brown, all right? At least be A.J. Brown. When you catch the ball, you're going to take a six-yard slant and break it 60 yards, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Now, A.J. Brown, he's not even block unless it's a screen, right? If he knows the pass ain't come to he know, all right? And he's sitting on the sideline crying, and everybody's saying, he said, it's not about targets. Of, of course, what else are you talking about? The weather? You know what I'm saying? As you're sitting there arguing with Jalen Hurts on the sideline. DK Metcalf loses his mind twice on every Sunday, and everybody's just like, hey, man, what can you do? I don't know. You can grow the hell up. Yeah. And and, and, and that that was, to me, terribly unprofessional. You let Gino out to dry on that interception. He just quit running. Yeah. I mean, my gosh. You know, like I said, we both had Seattle – win that division. I think that would have been a great game to win, especially on the same day the Niners lost. I mean, what a golden opportunity they had there to tie things up in the NFC West. And on the Bengals side, like we said before, a couple weeks ago, this is a team before the year that you was really high on. You kind of start to waver a little bit after the first few weeks. So I'm, I want to test the temperature now. They're heading to the bye week. They're three and three, despite winning ugly, but 
hey, they got to three and three and they play the Niners out after the bye. So where's the Martin temperature at on the Cincinnati Bengals right now? Probably close to similar as the temperature in Cincinnati right now, like a solid 40 degrees, 50 degrees, bundle <laughs> up, wear a hoodie. Uh, not necessarily freezing cold, but it ain't hot yet. Like this, Seattle should have won this game going away. They had double yards. You know, it's just if they were just dead in the red zone. And credit Cincinnati's defense because they stepped up. But not this has been the Jamar Chase show on offense, which he's great. He's a top five receiver in the league, right? Top tier one receiver in the league, however you want to square it, right? But Joe is not. That's not what made Joe special. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's not what made Joe great was just feeding Jamar Chase. It was the fact that, hey, you had Jamar Chase dragging coverage everywhere, and he's putting the guy, he's putting the number, the ball in T. Higgins in the numbers, Tyler Boyd in the numbers. Like, he's one of those receiver quarterbacks who, when they're running, the ball just seems to fall into their elbow. You know what I'm saying? And at, at, alongside of where they're at, he hasn't looked like that yet. And until he does look like that, the ceiling for this Bengals team is the wild card at the best. Do you have any solace in the fact that their hands of the bye week now seems to be probably a good time for them? Joe can get a little extra rest, maybe clean some, clean some things up in the film room. And you got the Niners coming out after the bye. I mean, extra week to prepare. Do you feel makes you feel a little bit better about them? No. No. Uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I tell you what, though, they have an opportunity to to I don't want to say shock the world, it won't be crazy shocking, but they want to be considered contenders. They'll have the opportunity to prove it next week. And with our last clip, with Gene Hackman and Michael Caine both announcing their retirement from acting, Dave Damashek on Minus 3 asks our guest, Christopher Carter and myself, whose career you'd rather have. You can only watch one guy's movies for the rest of your life, and you can never see the other guy's movies ever again. Michael Caine or Gene Hackman? Gene Hackman's 93 and also retired. The two this greatest character actors of the last, what, half century? Whose career would you rather have? I'm going to let Spaghetti go first on this one. Okay, Eddie, give a chance to think. Um, I would probably lean Michael Caine right now. Because why? Give me your favorite Caine picture. Oh, well, he's in most of Nolan stuff, um, except for this, the except for uh, Oppenheimer is like really the first one. So that's a big one, and then obviously that includes the Batman films. So um, I, I think like Michael Caine was still peaking late in his career where I feel like Gene Hackman hasn't really done much of anything for about I don't think 20, he's made a movie in 20 years yeah, I think exactly. literally he hasn't made a movie in 20 years yeah so know, I'm going man. Kane there was not a movie made from about the time I was like maybe 8 until I was maybe 48 that that one of those two guys wasn't in one of the movies wasn't in that movie there was not, not a movie made Carter how say you I think this is this is a landslide it's Gene Hackman all day. Like, let's 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 start. Let's let, let's go movie for movie. You have the greatest okay. car chase scene of all time in the French Connection. You never get to watch that again if you if you if you say bye. You say bye bye, Gene Hackman. Poseidon Adventure, classic disaster movie, one of the more classic ones ever. Uh, you know, Titanic before Titanic, right? Young Frankenstein. I can't ever laugh at, at, at Mel Brooks' Young Frankenstein ever again. You kidding me? I'm, I, I, I got to do that. The Superman movies. Yes, the Nolan movies are great. But you mean Gene Hackman is still the greatest Lex Luthor of all time. I, I mean, this, like, all this collective intelligence and you think they know how to operate a door. Like, like just the stuff like that that he did. He was hilarious, but also maniacal as, as Lex Luthor in, in those movies. Refuse to shave. Refuse to shave his head. Refused. Yeah, that was also pretty Famously. funny. Who, Hoosiers. It's 
it, I think it's it's become overrated in its lore, but it's still a classic, g- great sports basketball movie right. uh, that that people can leave on. Mississippi Burning, classic classic movie about about racism in, in the South. Crimson Tide with Denzel Washington, just the banter back and forth between car. those. Exactly, that was that was amazing. Uh, Enemy of the State with Will with Will Smith. I loved one of my favorite spy movies when it comes to that action. There's just movie after movie after movie. Oh and my yes. God, Spaghetti! This is a landslide. This is, when when we build this, when we promote this show, it should be <laughs> Chris Carter and Eddie Murphy debate who had the better career. I mean, everybody's gonna have to see like who got Eddie Murphy to get and Chris Carter together to to have this debate landslide victory i got to say spaghetti fair's fair royal like I, the characters first of also all down here ra- downhill racer is a gem crimson tide is a fun gem you can never turn it off if you land on it he played royal tanabob harry zim from get yeah. and get shorty one of his great, oh, little, great character little bill and unforgiving me look at me jimmy <laughs> also uh uh, uh uh, the the firm, his character with Tom Cruise, I love the firm. One of his great Classic. turns, Senator Bryce. Senator Bryce in No Way Out. No yeah. Way Out. It's a great movie. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. This is a Lance. I love Michael Caine. Did great stuff. Loved him in Miss Congeniality, but he was always a B character. The Reverend in Poseidon Adventure. He's a priest in a turtleneck saving lives. He saves Borg Nine. What more do you want, Spaghetti? You love the movie uh, Children of Men, and Michael Caine's in that too. So you lose That's that movie. That's right. Yeah. Okay, wait. That under. Oh yeah. No, I love. Right. It's, I guess they're both great. I guess that's the answer.